From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And right now, we're glad to welcome in, in person, Julie Sly, the editor of their great Catholic Herald magazine. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I uh, guess we can still say that for the first month. <laughs> another, I pushed it, Matt, the first week. Another month, we're going to be talking about Ash Wednesday already. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's early this year. It's very early. Yeah. It's on St. Valentine's Day. Oh, is it? I don't oh, know okay. if that's ever happened before. Uh, it probably kind of, has. It when probably you has. all the centuries. You, you, would, you, would think, you would think so, but the... Uh, the you know, Ash Wednesday has so many variables to to the, that date. You know, in terms uh-huh. of being the the what is it? It's the first Easter is the first Sunday after the first full moon after oh. the spring equinox, and so all those things have to fall oh my together. Gosh. Generally, you'll see a holiday, not a holiday, but whether it's a, a religious uh, day or a, or just a secular holiday, it may vary day of the week but it's within a certain range but oh, with, wow. with easter it's, and it's, there's it's an a month. eclipse this year yeah isn't I, there an eclipse I, or someone just told me they were going to harbindale illinois oh, to wow. visit their sister as they can see because the eclipse they, oh wow there i've better. been to carbondale yeah a lot I of carbon not. there <laughs> southern <laughs> illinois university oh okay yes. no i haven't been there yeah but uh so ash wednesday is the 14th of february okay yeah also, one of my get oldest son's birthdays. Get ready for your fasting. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> well, the brand new Catholic Herald is out, and I see a school teacher and a whole bunch. Well, she's of, the principal. She's the principal. Jo- yeah, that's Julie Wynn from St. Patrick Academy in Sacramento. And I see a and whole bunch of happy faces the, there. Yeah, almost all happy. It looks pretty natural. Pose, but natural. I see. Yeah. I count 14. I thought that was a 15th arm coming in. Yeah. Yeah, they look like kindergarten, first grade, and they're all beaming. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, our January, February issue, which it has been for several years, is uh, focused on Catholic education. And the cover story is about two Catholic schools. Who are very men are very different, but yet they're trying to find their own way as far as increasing enrollment and involving former alumni and and really getting out there in the community. So um, on the cover is Julie Wynn and those students, and uh, she's principal of St. Patrick Academy which has a long history here it's got in one Sacramento. Of the longest histories. Um, yeah. It was well it was first established at Saint as Saint Patrick's Home for Children right. in the nineteen thirties. It wasn't it residential? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there was a school there at the time. And later on it was Saint Rose School. Right. And I believe around the time uh Bishop Soto became bishop somewhere around in there, 2008, 2009. Uh, a couple of schools were merged to form St. Patrick's Academy, I believe, 
if I remember correctly, I believe St. Anne's School on Twenty Fourth Street was closed and merged in the St. Patrick's, and also, I believe All Hallows St. Peter. Although that might have come a little bit later, I can't quite remember. Anyway, the academy is the merger of um, three or four schools that we had in the South Sacramento area. Julie is in her third year as principal. <laughs> she moved to Sacramento from L.A. Mm-hmm. and was in hurry to accept the uh, being the principal. Was she a, a principal down there? Do you know? Uh, I think she was just teaching. Mm-hmm. She might have been a principal at Catholic school down there. I'm not sure. And um, she's really uh, formed a home there by reaching out to not only the parish family, uh, but parish members as partners in their ministry, alumni. Uh, she says many families once served by the school still live near and worship at St. Rose Parish and that they have strong ties. Um, I'm sure we even have people going back to their grandparents or great-grandparents oh, <laughs> went there. In or that, might have even lived at the orphanage. Yeah, in, in yeah. that in that part of Sacramento, there is great pride in that school, in that facility, and that parish. I mean, there really is. Well, and, yeah, and they've been rehabbing the uh, facility, which is really from the 1930s. Right. It's a beautiful campus. It, it's all it brick. Oh, it, it yeah. has that look of... Uh, uh, a, a, a 50s uh, TV show or something where there's yeah. the, there's the high school or there's sure. the academy and it's it is it's a stately brick building and it's yes. uh, covered a lot of events down there. Uh, uh, they used to use the the, oh, the Monsignor Cavanaugh Hall. Cavanaugh. Of course, sure. Monsignor Cavanaugh was legendary there in the, yes. what nearly he, 60 I think years. When he first came to Sacramento, he drove the bus to mm-hmm. pick up the kids. Yeah. From from all over. From all over. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway, she's um, just saying she loves being at the school. We're seeing a lot of families, and they're bringing in their family members. Um, This year they've been focusing on the national and local Eucharistic revival, having Mm -hmm. a lot of activities for the kids and parents. Um, She gives a lot of credit. I'm quoting from the story now, to her teachers and administrators, several who have personal family ties to the community themselves for working collaboratively with with her. And um, they've welcomed more than 100 new students in the past two years. That's pretty wild. That's really good. Yeah. And she says, we're bringing back retreats, Friday school masses, and a strong music program. I know they have a strong fine arts and music mm-hmm. program there. And she says um, she's done a greater social media presence. And she said, I feel parents are really choosing us. They're comfortable with what we have here. They want faith integrated into the whole education, meaning a school committed to learning, virtue, and service opportunities to give back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's really true across the board with all our schools right now. Um, people, I guess this is me talking now, people seem to want a sense of stability and values at the school that can be, that 
uh, come from them at home and then are reinforced at school. Oh, uh, and I'm absolutely. not every school is able to do that. We have a particular um, opportunity and mission with Catholic schools. Yeah, that we're pretty clear about our values. Um, yeah, and it, you what know, the and hints need. You know what the hints need in forming their own values. They're at a very formative age, and they want guidance. Yeah, and I know. I know that. Uh, everybody you know roots for everybody in education all the educators oh, sure. root for each other but there there are things that public schools just aren't allowed to do sure. understandably i mean you're not going to pray the rosary in a public school no. or have mass on friday morning it's not <laughs> not going to happen and and rightly so you know i mean that's that's sure. sort of part of that you know freedom of religion and and you don't force your religion on somebody but also part of freedom of religion is that in this country we welcome Catholic schools and other uh, Christian schools and uh, Jewish schools and everything else. Uh, we, we allow that and, and welcome it. And uh, Catholic schools, of course, are the, the dominant religious uh, schools yes. throughout the Even country. Even though a lot of closed, unfortunately, unfortunately we still yeah. are. But, and, and for people who, who want what the church teaches and that and it's it's really a whole i know my my two oldest kids went to saint james elementary when when i was growing up in davis uh, we didn't have a catholic school we went to catechism class on saturday mornings but um i knew that if if one of my kids was having an issue or a problem or wasn't doing well in school or i'd get a phone call and Mm -hmm. it wasn't a shake your finger phone call it's like how how can we help Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on? What's, you know, how about, why don't you come in and we'll all sit down and talk? And, and it was about values and it was about all these things. And, um, it was just a very, it was like a second family, mm-hmm. you know, really, yeah. it really was yeah. where, where, uh, you know, mom and dad would do what they did at home. And then when the kids were handed off to the school, it was like a second family. And I think that's what um, most of these principals uh, are saying here. In fact, Julie Wynn says, I love seeing alumni coming back. She says, referring to the summer months when graduates returned to marvel in the beautiful changes Mm -hmm. at the school. One of my favorite things has been to welcome a family whose grandparents recalled days at the original St. Patrick's Home for Children. Wow. Yeah. So uh, there's strong roots there. And I think uh, one of the nice things is that we do have opportunities in our Catholic schools for uh, alumni and parents to come back, even if it's just like to help with one activity. Right, right. Well, we have so many alumni out there that have special skills or connections or whatever whatever you want to say that can be very helpful to to a school. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, now my sister, just to bring a personal example, retired after 34 years at the Public Defender's mm-hmm. Office here in Sacramento. And the last, she kind of then wanted to do a lot of volunteer, right. you know, tried a lot of different things. Then, kind of, the last four years, she's been in the Hay and the Hay uh, Monday through Thursday at St. Francis School, oh, wow. where my two nephews attended. Yeah. She's there. I mean, she'll take off on vacation. Right. She's a niece not and a paid. nephew attended there as well. Yeah. yeah. And so um, 
she's there Monday through Thursday switching between the hay and the tea hay. And I asked her how come she stayed with it. She was featured on their Facebook page this week and mm-hmm. reading a Christmas story, mm-hmm. you know, to the kids and like that. And she said, they bring me joy and hope, and it's something totally different than what I did in my career. Wow. And I'm sure that would be shared by a lot of people. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I know uh, every now and then, whether it's a speech contest or a, a pro-life contest or something, where we've got maybe fifth and sixth graders or seventh and eighth graders, sometimes high schoolers, and, and we get the winners in here. Uh, in the studio, oh, and their parents and, are and their all parents are all crowded around, and they all got their <laughs> cameras out, and and it's just, I know I talk to Lori Power or other people in schools and say, wow, that's just such a joy to to have these kids here and to just see how, just how connected they are and how mm-hmm. good and you know they're gonna they're gonna grow up and do great things. Well, and I've been that speech contest, the Diocesan, a couple of times, and they come up really with some very heartfelt. They do the research, and then they bring in their own personal experience. It's very interesting. Well, I was, I was. It was interesting to me. uh, I think we had first through sixth place, or something like that, in here, and they were all winners, of course. But it was the same topic, and yet. Each kid had an entirely different take on the topic yeah. than, than the other Don't ones. They, it wasn't they usually like, pick a topic for the contest. Yeah, but, it, yeah. it wasn't like it was some predictable, uh, every speech sounded alike. You know, it, it was they each had their own take based on their own experiences and their own perception of things. And, and I was, wow. And, and they gave their speeches here on the air from memory. They didn't, mm-hmm. uh, no, they weren't looking at notes. And, and they never, you know, they did not an um or an er or in there anywhere. It's just amazing. Not like me. Um, um. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, no, it's great. So uh, our other school that we featured here is Sacred Heart School in Rent Bluff, which actually has a 120-year history. I was going to say that's another another school. And that's even older than. Yeah. St. Patrick's Academy. And you can and imagine when it started, Red Bluff's not a big place al- already, no. uh, but it, when it started 120 years ago, we're talking about a very small town. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So principal there is Michelle Fiera, and she's uh, in her second year. Uh, she returned to Sacred Heart after having taught there in the late 90s and early 2000s. She says she views enrollment management as big picture thinking. She cites more than a dozen factors she feels that influence enrollment numbers. And the things she feels positively promote the school to the community are strong student learning expectations, a strong mission statement, and the program we have all in our schools uh, founded by the Dominican um, Sisters of the Most Holy Eucharist, are the program that's in all our schools called Education in Virtues. Mm-hmm. And so each week they pick a different, I forget if it's each week or each month, we've had a story about it before, they pick a different virtue to really delve into and practice. And Julie, who's... Who's taking these pictures? Because every kid is looking at the camera. Every kid is smiling. 
That's amazing. And yeah, that's uh, that was that's Amy Jensen. Uh-huh. She's a uh, used to have her own photography business, and she's um, also well now she's in the parish secretary at St. Joseph's School in Reading. Sorry, St. Joseph Parish in Reading, and she's still graciously doing some freelance. Photography is she telling them me. jokes or offering them ice cream? I don't know. Or what? That's I a mean, great one. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just, it's and those charming. are different. I think they're different from different rates. They're yeah. from A through A. They're just Michelle. all, uh, they're just a In beaming. front of the virtues tree there. Yeah. And um, uh, she says, Michelle also says, other components that matter for parents are excellent teachers, welcoming staff, and supportive parents, parishioners. And a pastor who's in the spirit of the school. So, um, and Father Chuck Kelly, of course, is the pastor right. there at well, St. Bernard. I remember while. if it was in maybe a previous Herald where you were talking about uh, the role of the pastor and how pastors are getting very, oh, yeah. very That's involved in this, and, uh, and in this one. Yeah. yeah. A very, very. Uh, I guess it was. I had the drafts uh, before oh, the galley. Oh, we've purse. had we've had a similar story about that before yeah, too. And, yeah, and just uh, how how important it was for the school for the pastor to be so involved. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so she says that Michelle that uh, they really try and immerse themselves in the community of Red Bluff, which is probably easier in yeah. a smaller community. Uh, the idea is to contribute and give back while proactively familiarizing the population with the school so it can be known as a viable option for families. Because families do have a lot of options now. Way more. I don't remember this when I went to school, the charter school. We could go here. We could go, you know, you can request to go to another school. Um, All of this is just (laughs) drastic changes. I don't envy teachers, especially during the pandemic when they had to have some people on the screen, some in the classroom, some in independent study. I don't know how they kept track of all of it. I I mean, I I went to school in a a small town when it was really small, and we had one elementary school. There there were no choices of any one high school, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah, no, they have many choices now, and. Um, but again, that this school in Red Bluff is uh, again great pride in the community, even even in the not in the Catholic community because it. Oh yeah, it is. She says, um, Michelle says they're they get involved in art contests, parades, and children's fair, special Olympics, and participating in the nonprofit Missoula Children's Theater. Hmm. And they also advertise the school at Little Ball Fields and on many different social media platforms. And when uh, new families are considering the school, Michelle emphasizes the school's commitment to smaller, single-grade classrooms. It's a fine balance, she says, to always have enough students to balance the budget. The Missoula but they like to be uh, devoted to a single grade level, if they can. So, it, anyway, it's glad to see that, you know, even though some of our schools have closed over the past decade or so, that we have some that are thriving during very changing circumstances. Yeah, and thrived through COVID, believe it or not. And, yeah. And actually, you know, picked up uh, 
enrollment during COVID. We but did. The, yeah. uh, I, I, I find it interesting, too, over and over you hear about teachers that are returning to a school where, where or, or principals, returning to a school where they used to teach or maybe where they went to school even. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. And the, in the high schools, too. Yeah. I think um, not maybe a couple of years back when we had the cover story on St. Patrick, St. Vincent right. High School right. in, Vallejo. in Vallejo. I think it was like a third of the staff, uh, so administration, teachers, and even just, you know. Had gone to school there. Had gone yeah. to school there. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, I think. Yeah. I don't know if you'd ever had that in a public school, but there's just tremendous loyalty and ties. Yeah. Yeah. And I think anyone, I I didn't, I went to all public schools. I didn't, you know, so I don't really have, I mean, you have a little memory, but I don't have as strong a memory, I don't think, as some people I talk to who say, oh, I really remember my eight years at St. Redheart and yeah. Red Bluff or yeah, it's whatever. Yeah, di- it's a different, it's just different. Yeah, you know, and and it's it's very it's very powerful. It gets in your heart. Yes, yeah, and, and there's a there's just so much pride and and, and joy from your school. Right, right. I, I I noted you said the Missoula Children's Theater. That's 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 world famous. Even oh, though is the, it? Even I didn't know anything about that it. Is, oh, it's a tough commute from Red Bluff to Missoula. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's do they have like a branch of it in Red Bluff I, they, or they, something? They must have because yeah. or, or maybe they, I mean it's Montana. They prob- I don't know any other Missoula. Do that's you? it. No, that's okay. it. They probably <laughs> it probably. Have an, or maybe it's based on the same model or something. I think something. that's what I don't it is. Know. It's probably based on the model. You know, you hear about uh, uh, places that are, you know, named after a college or or, or a, a, a way of life or a, a, a treatment for for diseases. You know, and it's yes. named after a, a city or named after a university. Sure. I think that's what it is with okay. the Missoula Children's right. Theater. That's your homework assignment. Yes, check that out. Well, I have relatives in Missoula, <laughs> oh, <okay>. so. <laughs> So um, you mentioned pastors, and we do have another story here uh, about two of our school campuses where the pastors are very, very involved. So one is St. Francis of Assisi here in Sacramento, and um, the principal's Ivan Herta, and the pastor is Father Ray Bursaville, who came from Davis. Yes, he did. So he has been pastor at... St. James and Davis, which had a school, yes. and St. John the Baptist in Folsom, which also had a school. Right. So this is his third uh, parish with the school. And uh, Ivan has been there several years. He previously was at St. Francis High School in Sacramento. And um, I know Father Ray goes around visits the classrooms, Every week, he is very, very involved in liturgy. He uh, helps with the first communion preparation. Um, and he's just always engaging people. And Father Ray says, I want them to realize that that beautiful encounter with Jesus uh, and that, that encounter is transformational. It makes all, all, makes all of us like Jesus. And... Um, he just really wants to be a presence around the school. And I know he has even uh, at times taught in some of the religion classes. 
and um, he's uh, very uh, down to earth with the kids, very admired. Uh, Ivan says, Father lives when he preaches. It's what our kids and families need. They're open to joy, open to conversation, open to relationship with Jesus. It might also help, too, that Father Ray is only about five foot three, so he's closer down to the. <laughs> now I'm teasing about that, but <laughs> he's not a real. Because of his height, he's a, maybe a little less imposing figure than if he was six foot six. I don't know. I throw that in there. But he has such a good rapport of people. And Father Ray itself says the interaction at the school, it charges me. It's another way of learning for me. It's really satisfying because of the energy, the hints share, and their perspectives on life. And so, Ivan Herga is part of the school as well. He's the principal. The principal, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, I will say just from my own experience at St. Francis, St. Francis it's probably one of our schools that draws uh, people from, uh, it, it's very much a commuter school. Right. Not so many live in the general area. Now, this may might have changed since not so many state workers are going downtown every day. But for many, many years, because of its location at 26th and K or 25th and K in Midtown and so close in the state buildings, um, you would have hints there from Roseville, Elk Grove, Citrus Heights, all because they have the extended here might, from my, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. My sister lives sort of in the pocket area, and, yeah. and her her two, her two kids went there as well because she she was a nurse at, at uh, Sutter. Yeah, you know, right? She can drop uh, the yeah, kids. Yeah, just a couple of blocks away. Yeah, yeah, and so it's they a had a tremendous experience there. there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and we do have other schools like that. I know parents make great sacrifices to, to travel. So, and then our other school we featured was Father Mike O'Barrett Quattro mm -hmm. at St. Rose in Roseville. And the principal there is Michael Garcia. And Michael Garcia says, Father uh, Michael's visibility. Uh, is so important to our children. When they see him, they want to give him a high five or knuckles. What are knuckles? You just do your knuckles like yeah, that? Yeah, it's the, the oh. fist bump. <laughs> Not rock, paper, scissors, I guess. Just the fist bump. When, we were, <laughs> when there were kids, they, we called it a knuckle sandwich. Oh, a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had the great pleasure of, introduce, of uh, interviewing Father Garcia, and he's really good. Oh, Father Merritt I mean, not Father Father Garcia. They're uh, both my... Oh. Principal Garcia. Oh, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he's already been on. Yeah. That's good. And um, he says the friendship between pastor and the students is apparent, is apparent in the daily lives of our students from the moment they walk in in, the mor in morning prayer and in different ways they serve the parish. Father Michael's willingness to really connect with students but it's also the indirect effects of his participation in the school. So um, sounds like there the whole administrative team works together. Michael Garcia, the principal, we have a, also a picture here of Christine Munts, who's the fifth grade teacher mm -hmm. and director of campus uh, culture. 
and Angela Miller, who's the vice principal. So I remember when the photos were taken with Steve German, our photographer, right. Michael Garcia, really wanted to stress having the whole administrative team in there. So um, uh, I thought uh, Father Michael has a nice quote here. There's so much going on in the world. He said, because of the speed of change and certain societal and technological risks, one thing should be absolute, constant, and that is our faith in the Lord. And he appreciates the sense of community and the vitality experience at St. Rose School that will carry forward with every student as they go out into the world. And Michael Garcia says it's not just about the student we have now, but who they will grow to be. Um, and I think that's really true. Uh, the values you learn when you're a little kid, they really stick with you, because that's all you know. You know, the values from your parents and teachers. And, and I do realize kids have so many distractions now. In fact, we have a couple stories in here about a couple of our high schools and teens speaking out on the mental health right. challenges right. they have today, which, you know, I'm getting to be an old gal, so it's been, four, well, no, 50 years for me since I was in elementary but I don't rem and high school, but I don't remember those kind of challenges. They're having a lot more. I, I would concur. Yeah. Tremendously. Uh, yeah. You, it's, it's almost the, the, it's the issue of the day. Uh, yeah, mental social health media is, and all uh, is an influence on it. Their peers, um, well, as you know, you it's, know it's being influenced with, by their peers when with, they're teens. With all the social media and all the chats and all the all oh, the yeah. stuff going on, people, teenagers feel isolated. They feel lonely. They feel it's it's interesting because it seems like it would be just the odd. Oh no, you'd be testing all the time, yeah. and you're never and like it's sort of it's interesting how it reverses well, and it makes you feel more lonely than it makes you feel yeah, involved. I mean, how many times have people, you know, and, and when I was growing up, we had, well, we didn't even have a TV for a while, but but uh, Channel Three, Channel Ten, and Channel Thirteen, <laughs> and you know, and, and and that was it. And then Channel Forty came along, and and now you've got four hundred and eighty channels, oh, and gosh. you're kind of clicking through it. You know, that doesn't look into that doesn't look interesting, you know, and it's like. You think, oh man! If you love TV, oh, I could watch TV all day. And there's a great stuff. No, it's just the opposite, you yeah. know. And I think there's so much information. Somebody said to me one day, a pastor somewhere said, "There's never been so much." The good news is there's never been so much information out there available. And he said that's also the bad news. Yeah. Because a lot of it is misinformation. Yeah. You know. And I'm not even absorbing as much as these uh, students are in high school. And I know oh, I go yeah. home at night and I put my phone on the charger and I'm like, okay, I'm not answering anything. Yep, yep. It can't be that important what's coming in yeah. <laughs> right now. Yep. Yeah. And I think we're all on little, and I like information. I research all the time. It's interesting, but even... For me, I have to shut it off. Well, and they all—they all want to give you alerts, you know. Oh yeah, alerts. 
yeah. we're alerted so much, yeah. nothing's an alert there's anymore. A, yeah, there's an alert. The mayor stubbed his toe today. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. For, <laughs> I couldn't have gone on without that information. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I'm going to transition then into my one of the stories here that I did called um, teens talking with teens about me- mental health. Oh, yes. And... Um, We've got, uh, basically, it's an interview, and in their own words, with three um, young women from St. Francis High School here in Sacramento who are on the guardian, what they call the guardian angels peer team. Mm -hmm. And they've had this program for eight or nine years at St. Francis. They are peer-to-peer, I won't call them counselors, as they don't have degrees, but I mean they're... They're kind of angels to the other students. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if you transfer in to St. Francis, maybe as a sophomore or something, um, they're assigned to help the new students right. transition right. in. Uh, they themselves admit that they had some problems adjusting to high school. Uh, all three of them that I interview here, Mia Letterer and... Um, Brooke Harmon and Elise Bloomquist. There's three of the peer team members. And um, Kim Wynandy is their uh, head counselor at St. Francis. They're all trained. They go through extensive training in order to help their peers. And they're there to listen and support. They're not necessarily there to tell the other student what to do. They're just there to be of support. And, of course, if they identified a student that was really having challenges and might be a danger to themselves or other people, of course, then it's their job to alert, you know, the actual professional counselors or or whatever. But uh, some of the stats here are very um, uh, bewilderingly, actually, the CDC um, in February earlier last year, found that 57% of U.S. teen girls felt persistently sad or hopeless mm-hmm. in 2021. That was double the rate. That that was double the rate among boys, and a nearly 60% increase from 2011. 11, and the highest level in the past decade. There's probably. Some you know gender differences too. Oh, there uh, are between. Yeah, the counselors would definitely uh, say that. Uh, boys in are their top five of less the di- likely to admit to it or something. Yeah, and the way you perceive things. Yeah. Um, I think also girls get. Uh, these are generalizations again, but they get a lot more peer pressure about how mm-hmm. they look. Yeah, well, sure they do. You they know, do. They're, 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 I mean, our society is. That's a societal thing. It, it really is. You know, you got to be thin, you got to look perfect, whatever. Um, and um, him, Wynandy, who's the head of the wellness part department for the past nine, year, nine years at St. Francis, says the rise in mental health challenges is not attributable to one culprit alone. Um. The level of pressures on our young people has increased compared to the past few decades. And him is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She also holds a master's degree in marriage and family counseling and school counseling from Sac State. And also she worked for 10 years at Mercy Education Resource Center, 
supervising interns at several of our Catholic mm. elementary schools. She says young people are going through a level of distress that impels us to act with urgency and compassion. The um, experts say mental health issues among teens have many origins, including the pandemic, social media toxicity, toxicity and addiction, information and texting overload, racial inequality, and some fear of school shootings. Some students now are suffering from social or generalized anxiety disorders, eating disorders, and thoughts of self-harm. And the three um, students I talked to said one of the reasons they got involved in the peer team um, support process is that they themselves felt some isolation, mm -hmm. anxiety, and that. And so they were helped by the peer team program. And so they themselves wanted to give back by being on the peer team. Yeah, I, I think uh, the, the idea of a peer team is an excellent one. Um, you're well, the other thing, too, studies show that these kids and our students in this age range are more likely to listen to mm -hmm. a peer than they are their parents. Uh, absolutely. Now, that's just the way it is. It's the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or even a licensed therapist. Uh, yes. They're more likely to, to listen to mm -hmm. somebody that's it's one of the roles that friends always had, you mm -hmm. know, and, and because yeah. a, a friend was usually and a, a peer. Pull your hey, listen. What's going on? You're in trouble yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but the other thing, uh, a couple other things here I want to mention is that anything, with, uh, 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 if a student's talking to another student, all of that remains confidential. Mm -hmm. They're trying to help and listen mainly. Uh, the only time they would bring it to a higher level or to the awareness of a council on staff would be if someone is physically hurting them, the student, if they're planning to physically hurt someone else, right. or if they are seriously injuring or planning to hurt themselves. Right. That's then they need to raise it to a higher level. And um, a lot, I, I, it was interesting for me as the interviewer to interview these three girls who were all very confident and self-assured, mm -hmm. but yet to hear them say, I, when I came into school or got in, um, I felt anxiety. Mm -hmm. I felt I wasn't good enough. Right. Yeah. And of course, you know, we know our schools can be a very competitive sure. environment. That's part of it. A lot of time they would say, um, it's funny, they would say, I took a break from social media for a month and it was a lot better. But yet somehow they're, <laughs> I yeah. guess you can't control that. I don't know. But I can't imagine, uh, in fact, even him, the counselor, said there's no reason at all for someone to be plugged in the social media or texting people 24-7. Yep. Now, there's not that much to say. Well, beyond everything else, <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we always worry about, uh, especially when they get to be teenagers, are they getting enough sleep or they getting enough oh, yeah. uh, proper nutrition and things like that? And now you hear about kids, you know, they're, they're in their bedroom with the covers pulled up over their head and they got their phone there yeah. till 3 in the morning. Yes. Uh, and then they got to get up and be at school at 7 or 7.30, and yeah. they aren't getting enough sleep. No, no. And so um, one of the things that, too, that these three 
students said was there they feel their four years was really you know unlike some of some others right. because they started uh pretty much started when the pandemic yep. hit yep so they're gonna graduate in 2024 so that means they would have entered in what the fall of 2020 right, right. 21 20, yeah and so um they had kind of a hybrid model when they entered and there was still some choice when they had to. And then also um, some of the students were there, like, I don't know the days, but maybe some were there Mondays and Wednesdays, some were there Tuesdays and Thursdays. So you really didn't, let's say you came with other friends and they were at school different days than you, that then they felt kind of isolated. Some people chose to stay online sure. only. So that was very, so they had kind of a jumbled up, Four years. I, I remember my youngest, really? my youngest son, uh, when when he finally went back in person, he was a junior. He said, "That's the first time I've set foot on the high school campus, and I'm mm -hmm. a junior." Yeah, you know, it's like, and and the seniors they hadn't been there since they were freshmen. You know, yes. it's just like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. So it was a very very different experience for them. They're all very deep thinkers. Um, and I think um, all of them mention social media. All of them mention uh, how they're, uh, we have two, among the three here, two were Catholic and one was Presbyterian. But they all mentioned how faith, um, in one way or another, played into their lives and dealing with these challenges. Yeah, Even I, though some, and, you know, some could have been away from their faith and came back. And, and if, if you different. Leave faith out of the equation you're you're <laughs> you're missing uh a key part of of answers and healing and understanding and everything right. else and i can say pretty much all three read they weren't huge fans of online mm -hmm. even though they did it you know and right. i think all three excelled rather oh hey but um, they just said, you know, to do that and miss the experience of the social interaction and the interaction with the teachers that you would get from being there. Well, I remember hearing time. that from the very get-go with, with the pandemic and everything getting shut down, especially from our teachers here in the diocese uh, in the Catholic schools, that, that boy, Mission One was like, mission one was educating everybody, and, and they start. I mean, they, they got the word on Friday the schools were closing, and they were online on Monday. I yeah. mean, they really were. It was remarkable. But beyond that, the next goal was to get back in person because it's so much, especially Catholic education, it's so much about community. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it's, it's, the whole, it's the whole Catholic model, you know, yes. from the— from the family to the parish to the diocese, you know, it it builds from the bottom up. People right. people tend right. to think of our church as top down. It's not. It's bottom up. Right. You know. Right. So I hope people will read this as I know we have a lot of parents receiving our magazine. And um, are we running out of time? No, not no. at all. I okay. wanted to ask you, doing that story, did. Did you have surprises? What did you know? What did you learn? Uh, as a, made me glad I wasn't a teen. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
like not, I thought, gosh, I had it so simple. I just yeah. went to my classes, did well, did after school sports, and, you know. Um, and typed your papers so. on a man, manual typewriter. <laughs> typed my papers <laughs> on the manual typewriter. I did handwriting. You could but, plagiarize. Um, there was nothing to plagiarize off yes, of. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Encyclopedia Britannica, Unless you maybe. took the hearts on the reader, out Although, of the reader's eye, ripped the pages on the reader's eye, very out of uh, I do. I do find, you know, that, that whole thing about uh, plagiarism that is in the news, you know, it's interesting. When you're a fifth grader and you're doing a, when I was a fifth grader, a report on the American Revolution, well, I wasn't there, you know. And <laughs> you would go to the library or, yeah. and, and, and I mean, you may have been clever enough to rephrase what you were reading, sure. but you're obviously using somebody else's work. Yes. Like, there's no yes. way around it. Um. I thought that uh, I was a little bit disturbed about how all of them didn't say in one way or another they had anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, it's interesting. That can be a, a two-inch thing. Anxiety can also kind of spur you on to well, do it's better. A, it's the, but you the, don't want it on the flip side to where it's, you know, you're you're frozen by yeah, well, anxiety. It, it, it's 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 the old flight or fright, fright or flight or whatever the expression is, you know, and, and you need some of it. I, I know that um, public speaking was horrendous for me. I would hide in the back for of the you, classroom. Yeah, well, not yeah, exactly. And, and then I started working for a newspaper and your pictures in the paper every day. And you started having people say, would you come speak to the sure. lions club dinner or something? And you're like, Oh, <gasps> You know, I couldn't possibly do that. And and then one time stupidly said yes, you know, and because your ego gets involved. Sure. And and the anxiety I had was just overwhelming. But then it it also forced me to really be prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, to really okay, okay, it's happening Friday night. You better Figure out what you're going to say. Yeah. And so the, the, uh, to a degree. To a degree, they, uh, and there's certain things that make you come out of yourself if but you then had a little cri- bit of pressure to do it. But it can cripple but you, it too. But it can cripple you also. Yeah. It's, and, um, it's a fine, I, uh, like you say, a double-edged sword there. Yeah. All these um, these three girls, they're all very intelligent. and um, uh, But yet they had some period where they felt very isolated. Mm-hmm. And that I think the good thing is that they're encouraging their peers to be open about their feelings. Right. And if they are in trouble, you got to say something. Yep. And maybe you aren't in as much trouble as you think. And as you can blow it up in your mind in the sense that there's some coping behaviors that you can utilize if you it, have you anxiety. Know, and all it takes you know? is one one bad apple to say something yeah. to you or post oh, yeah. something about you, and you think everybody everybody thinks that. Right. Everybody's, yeah. everybody's and looking at me like that. And it's just exacerbated. In the time that we grew up, uh, you know, someone say something on the plate round, but then you'd never hear it again. Yeah. You wouldn't have it bombarded with you with. Um, there's one thing I want to point out from the other story I did with the counselor um, and two students at St. Patrick St. Vincent mm-hmm. High School in Vallejo, um, Tamara Smith, who's the director of counseling, and her two boys, I believe, also are graduates of St. Patrick St. Vincent 
Um, she's got a great quote here. We urge parents to not be afraid to ask their teens the tough questions. Sometimes they may not like the answers, but it's worth having the conversations. Oh, very yeah. definitely. And the other thing I thought that was, was interesting was that, and some of this comes from, you know, that you go through life experiences and you learn that maybe something that happened today isn't really in a matter of five days from now, five weeks from now. But, but at the time, you're really at the time, it's blowing ev- it's, it up. It's in, everything. At the time, it's all consuming. And um, she says, I thoroughly enjoy high school students. They're so eager to learn. And the change you see in a student maturing from freshman to senior year is amazing, mentally, academically, and spiritually. But, she says, in the past few years, counselors have noticed that students' hoping skills are quite low and their resilience, she says, the word grit comes to my mind, Mm -hmm. is something they struggle with. Receiving a fail on a test is upsetting. They might, they and their mom or dad might be upset, but we've seen more now that students fall apart at things that in the long run of their life will not hold them back. To teach them that every experience in their life is part of the build and not the finale. I thought that was very wise. What's the old, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? Yeah. Uh, and there's a there's tremendous wisdom in that, uh, not always true, but it, it, but yeah. it, but it, there is a lot of wisdom in that. In fact, you, you, there are many many things in my life that I look back on it at the time, like oh, you know, whether why didn't I do that? A, why didn't I make that choice? A, a bad yeah. choice, or or even just a bad grade on an exam, yeah. or uh, an athletic event where you had a heartbreaking loss, and you yeah. just oh man, and you think about it for. For about a day or something, you know, but <laughs> yeah. at the time, and and then if you look back on it, you go, you know, it's really good that I had that heartbreak. You know, it's really good that I had that F on that test. Well, and it's, you know, she's making the point that they have, the, so many of the hints are very successful and really bright in that. But once in a while, you do have to have a fail. Yeah, well, kind of bring it back. I'm not saying you have, to have a well, major well, catastrophe or trauma, but a fail now and then does kind of wake you up back into reality. Yeah, and you know the the, the interesting thing with uh, everybody being so so bright and so successful is that uh, um, there's only one person who's going to be number one in the class, or, or oh, probably sure. only one person is going to get into Harvard or, or yeah. whatever. And so even at at that you. If you if you get into the comparison game, yes. you are always going to be able to find somebody who's higher up oh, the yeah. ladder than you are, or right. and somebody who's lower, further lower. Yeah, you know, and and comparing it just doesn't work. You know, you you, you hear that from uh, from psychiatrists, family people. Sure. You know, saying, "Don't ever compare your kids. Don't ever say." Yeah. Well, Billy's doing this, you know, <laughs> why aren't you, you yeah. know, or, you know. Yeah. Um, she says, this is Tamara in the counselor. Our mission is there is the students' overall education, but so important is helping them develop morally and spiritually to become quality people in life and to learn how to deal with challenges and help others. So um, 
But anyway, uh, and the two students we talked to here, Love Ramos, mm-hmm. um, she actually says her, well, when we're going through depression or other mental health issues, it's best to take breaks or abstain from social media and not expose yourself to things that damage your mental health. Um, and so the Hitchens, really, they, you know, they were a little uh, shy some of the time in their interviews, but they really didn't open up about that these are challenges for them and they can't run away or hide from them. Um, and Christian Alvarez, the other student I interviewed at St. Patrick, St. Vincent, what I like about the Catholic faith is that you know you are part of something bigger and you are not alone. There's many teens who have traumas in their lives and that can lead to gradually losing your faith. Mm. So um, they go through, you know, they were pretty honest here and go through. I, I probably was a little surprised at the extent of the um, the mental health challenges that some of them are facing. Some of that is personality, too. Sure. You know, I know I always considered myself a more sensitive person about worrying about what other people thought of me. Of course, then you get older and you realize you don't really care what people I, think I know. about you. <laughs> Well, every you know, if but you, it takes sixty years, fifty yeah, yeah. or sixty years or so. Every you know, everybody's <laughs> going to have opinion if you ask them. You know, and it's best best not to ask. But you know, the other thing that I've learned as a parent is, boy, one size doesn't fit all. Oh no! You know, I look at at my six kids, and oh my goodness, the the differences between them, and their their hopes, their aspirations, their needs, their. De- not deficiencies but or weaknesses, but things that they're not very good at um, are all different. You oh, know? yeah. And, but sometimes they can compare themselves to others. They can say, man, I'm, I just don't understand this math and my sister's a whiz or, you know. Yeah. And that's that. I think the other added element, too, is unfortunately a lot of the stuff with the apps and social media they can be saying stuff behind people's back mm-hmm. and all that, and there's no consequence at all. Yep. If I want to go on Snapchat and say, I, you know, Susie's a horrible person, there's no. There's nothing. There's yep. no. And um, they're very, you know, I, I think our teachers are really good about saying to students, and we have all kinds of speakers and everything, saying, remember, when you put something on the internet, there's a trail. It can't be erased. Can't be erased. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, I mean, when you got in a fight with someone, you get disciplined and pretty much took me over. But you also want a horrible name or whatever, yeah. and you put it out there over the internet. It's crazy. Yeah, and yeah. it stays there. And it's it's uh, you know, somebody goes to apply for a job and you, they get Googled and oh, here's something. Oh, that's negative. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. I interviewed them. They seem pretty good. But yeah, you know. <laughs> That's why it's one of the Ten Commandments. Yes. Shalt not bear false witness. Right. You know, because right. it's so, so, so yeah. damaging. Yeah. yeah. Julie, always so a pleasure. So we have a lot of good things in this issue. I hope people will read it. Read it. Keep it on your coffee table. That's right. Don't have to read it all at once. 
You yeah. can wait till you make yourself a hot chocolate. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> it's got a lot of good stuff, and the, the cover will the cover will make your day. It really it really will. I love the hints. All not. I mean, I love the photo where they're paying attention in red blood yeah. too. But I like this photo on the front too, where it's uh, they're they've. They're not all paying attention. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, most of them are. That's the challenge for the teachers. <laughs> yeah. That's going to okay. do it for us well, for today. thank you. Thank you, Julie. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. We'll talk to you with you again real soon. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need you can uh, give them a call they will come pick it up as well but you can uh, give them a call they're at 916-972-1212 and remember again the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 watt avenue right here in sacramento well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. To the cross I look And to the cross I cling Of its suffering I do drink Of its work I do sing On it must save you Both bruised and crushed 
Just 